0: Christians are supposed to be Christ like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler, Steve Russell, as we journey together in learning how lives daily, renewed by God's grace and power, can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world.
1: Welcome to the Maiden voyage of Christian Living That Counts. This show is about renewed lives making a difference in a broken world. There's probably never been a time when it's more important for Christianity to stand up and be counted in a world that really needs the voice of the Christian and of Christ himself. And we know that the only way a person does that in the world, as John Kennedy reminded us, the only hands that God has in our world are our own. So this is a show that's going to discuss those types of topics of how our lives can really make a difference. This is the maiden voyage, which means we're just testing the waters, getting things squared away. One of the old things you learn when you're speaking to people is don't show them all your pots and pans, just make the presentation. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about the pots and pans today because there are a lot of pots and pans were dirtied up in making the this, this show get to where it is today. For example, the title itself, Christian Living That Counts. We, You can imagine the different uh, terminology that was bantered around about uh, what would be Christian living that counts. Should we call it um, discipleship or should we call it Christian apprenticing? Uh, Should it be make a difference? And uh, a lot of work went into thinking up a good title because we want things that communicate quickly and sharply to a listening audience like you and uh, things that will attract folks to our show. But the most important thing, I think, that we came up with was something that people really desire today. How can I live a life that really makes a difference, that counts in a world, that really needs a voice of God and Christ in it? And again, we as Jesus' disciples, his modern-day apprentices, what do we do to make a difference in today's broken world? Um, this is where we this is where we're we're focused and we want you to join us week after week and hear the different things that uh that that uh, make this show its its content and things that really are helpful certainly eventually we'll open this up to your suggestions what would you like to hear about because your kind of living is not uh always exactly what mine would be my experiences your experiences and the different ones that we play with to understand uh, what really makes a difference to each each person in the lives in the uh that they live one of the things that uh, we said in the introduction and when uh, the announcer came on he talked about the fact that is christian living just as simple as wwjd the old standard what would jesus do and he answers that question for us the answer is it's not simple uh, that's not the easiest question to answer one of the things that we talk about is the fact that none of us are jesus none of us are the messiah if anybody thinks they are then well you might need some serious counseling and, and time on a couch because there's been one messiah and we're not that person so what do we do if we're not jesus what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus might do one thing because he lived in the first century. He lived in a Roman world. He lived in an occupied world. You and I typically live in um, in a variety of worlds, depending on who listened to this show. You may be an American uh, with a number of, of liberties, uh, the freedom of speech in our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. It gives you one frame of reference. You may be halfway around the world. You're meeting in a suppressed situation where... Uh, You live in a country, and Christianity is not openly accepted. And so all kinds of scenarios exist, but one of the things that we know for sure is that none of us are Jesus. So what would Jesus do? Probably something different in his world, in his time. The question that probably is much more important for you and me to ask today in a 21st century postmodern world is, what would Jesus do if he were me? And that means totally different things. In other words, what would Jesus do if he were in bankruptcy? What would Jesus do if he had suffered a divorce? What would Jesus do if he had a terminal illness? How would he face that? And those kinds of questions put a different face on it. It's not so important what Jesus would do as what Jesus would do if he were me in my circumstances, in my financial situation in my zitz and laban my situation in life what would he do and uh you might say well uh that's a tough question uh because he was perfect he was sinless uh he was fully god and fully man um what do i do what does that leave me does it leave me a way out does it leave me a way to say well uh it doesn't matter what jesus would do since i'm not jesus But it does matter because we're all called, as his apprentices and disciples, to lead a Christ-like life. We were first called Christians in the uh, trading center of Antioch uh, back in the first century, and it meant at that time, and still does, we are little Christ. So what does that mean when those of us who are not Jesus are his apprentices and his disciples? Well, first of all, um, we take a look at our own lives what uh let's say that we're married, Jesus never was up oh, there's a there's a a problem right there, so what do we do if we're married and we're Christians and we're to be christ like Jesus can't give much uh much advice when you go back to his words and his teachings on what it means to be a father or a parent uh or a or a spouse uh he's very silent on those because he was neither, and none of those so Uh, In this role, what do we do? Uh, How do we love our wives? There's advice in the Bible. Don't misunderstand me. But at the same time, what would Jesus do if he were me? How would he parent? How would he father? How would he be a husband? And so on and so on. So these are the kind of questions that Christian Living That Counts wants to tackle during our broadcast. Uh, we're grateful for a number of people that we look forward to interviewing. We're great, grateful for a number of perspectives that we will examine. But I just want you to understand as our listeners, and you come back time after time, I want you to come back here, not that you're going to hear some, surfing, uh, some sermon about a perfect person and what he would do if he were perfect, because again, none of us are. So it gives us a different starting place. What would Jesus do if he were me? So those are the types of topics that uh, we're going to examine, and we're going to look at how they make a difference in our, in our world today. Um, the world today needs this. Um, we need people to stand up and be Christ. Um, a lot of people um, are stuck in church, and I mean that in the sense that oftentimes what we do within the walls of a church uh, don't get seen by the world. They don't get, uh, they, we're not really showing Christ. We're not even following the simple teaching of uh, showing, uh, of putting our light uh, on a pedestal. He said we were the lights of the world and the salt of the earth. What are we gonna do if we're light and salt, but we're just hemmed up in a small building? Uh, doesn't matter what how good the show is that goes on inside that building and how excited we feel and how much we feel fed spiritually and all that. It's when we walk out the doors of that building that we begin to make that difference that really counts as Christians. So what do we do? What, what, What do we do to get outside those walls and be the type of person that Jesus would be if he were us? This is going to be a look at what we are in our homes. It's going to be a look at what we are at work. It's going to be what we are as neighbors. It's going to be a look at what we are um, when we're even in the midst of our recreational activities, what would Jesus do if he were me? So remember that all these, these things, these aspects, these different scenarios of life are going to come into play as we examine it. Um, of course, I've got my perspective and my background a little bit about where I come from. I grew up in a small town in northeastern Texas, and uh, probably sound like that. You didn't have any trouble figuring that out. Uh, But I come from there, and I'm back into a somewhat larger town in northeastern Texas, and this is where our broadcast originates. But in between all those uh, decades of of living and moving around in different uh, educational opportunities and family opportunities and business opportunities that have moved me to a variety of places, I have my background, and I realize its limitations. So we want to be certain to include other people from other backgrounds and opportunities that they have as well uh, to be the kind of life that makes a difference. So we're going to be looking into all these kinds of things. One of the things that I think we're going to look at that's very important is the idea of renewed lives. We have sort of a secondary title to the show, which is Renewed Lives Making a Difference in a Broken World. All of us uh, who are Christians can testify and uh, give a word of, of, of confidence and support to the fact that our lives have been renewed. In fact, they're renewed daily. Uh, they're renewed through our study of what makes a Christian life uh, an increasingly um, a, a one that reflects Christ and his teachings. It can be um, uh, also renewed through our prayer and meditation and other types of things. It's it's renewed through our communication and our dialogue with other Christians. So all of these things uh, contribute to that renewal. But we live renewed lives. We don't want to live lives that are Operating under the depression and the oppression that sometimes uh, people seem to uh, go to get up every day. And the old laughable statement was uh, people who got up and said, Good morning, Lord, and those who said, Good Lord, it's morning. Um, and the differences that uh, that connotes because of the the, uh, the different attitudes. Some of us spring up out of bed and some of us dread the day and stay there as long as possible, dreading getting up and, and making, uh, making our way into the world. I know that uh, I also have a, a membership in the Chronic Procrastinators Club, and I realized one day that part of the reluctance to get up and get busy in the world that I had and the opportunities I had in the world today was just the fact that I was putting myself in a position to procrastinate. The longer I stayed in bed, I put off having to get up and figure out what I needed to do for the day to make a difference. So not only does it um, uh, lead us into some uh, questioning of our own lives, the purpose of life, but it can even just be a way to withdraw from life life and say hey I just don't think I want to play today I think I'll stay home bundle up and hide and as Christians that's uh, that's not an option we really need to get out there and be about making the business of making a difference and having a Christian life that really counts that's what we're going to be talking in the show hope you'll stay with us
0: we'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That
1: Counts I want to tell you about the special underwriting sponsor of Christian Living That Counts. This is show host Steve Russell to introduce you to the Prefert family of Mount Pleasant, Texas. Prefert Manufacturing was founded by the late Marvin Prefert, a born inventor who moved his growing business to the heart of cattle country in northeast Texas in 1962. Since then, Prefert Manufacturing has become the leader in the highest quality of farm, ranch, and rodeo equipment employing over 800 people and shipping their products worldwide. Bill Prefert, Marvin's son, assumed the leadership of the company in 1988 after the unexpected passing of his father Marvin. Today, under their dad's watchful eye, the third generation of Bill's sons, Eddie, Nate, and Travis are carrying on the family tradition and business, including the Christian faith that they quickly credit with much of their success and growth. I'm proud to call the Prefert's friends, and appreciate their making the internet radio broadcast of Christian Living That Counts possible. Learn more about this dedicated Christian family and their outstanding business at prefert.com. That's P R I E F E R T.com.
0: Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell.
1: Welcome back. This is Steve Russell. We were talking about uh, renewed lives and how we are renewed and how we take those renewed lives into the world and the opportunities that we have to be Christ-like in that world. And in the subtitle I described to you previously, Renewed Lives Making a Difference in a Broken World, I mentioned the word broken in front of world, and that's uh, part of that title. And why do we call the world broken? Broken. I don't think it takes too long to watch the evening news and figure that out. Uh, if it's not dominated by weather, if we just cleaned all the weather stories off the news and could watch the human stories, the human interest stories, we'd find out that we do, in fact, live in a broken world. All types of solutions are being sought. Uh, there are marches, there's protests, there's seminars, there are books written. But the fact is that we live in a world that's less than what it could be. A lot of that is driven uh, by the brokenness of families and homes and even nations. Um, It starts uh, with us as individuals, and we find that our lives are often uh, broken by different things, and it expands over into the damage that might be done to uh, the family at large. And then we carry that brokenness outward into the world ourselves. How do we become renewed people so that we make a positive difference and contribution in that broken world so we'll be looking at a number of those things but brokenness itself is uh, when it's applied to the world we realize that we've got a large problem we also realize that as the old starfish story told us we can't make a difference sometime in a huge way it dawned on me many many years ago that all i could do was make a difference in my part of the world. If my little part of the world and my little difference made a huge difference throughout the world, well, that'd be great, but I wouldn't have a whole lot to do with that. That would be some force bigger than me. But what I could do was make a contribution to the world where I was and to its brokenness and help heal. And this has a number, opens up a number of avenues and opportunities for people living renewed lives. This broken world that we have and that we, and that we deal with, is um, again has many sources i mentioned the family as one uh, the family is a place where where brokenness occurs uh, and it often is is carried on we learn that children who are not parented and i and i didn't say not parented well just literally not parented uh many of the our parents today are are, are biological uh, mothers and fathers, but they're not really parents. They're not really making that effort that it takes to train up children in a way that they should go and to learn the things that they need to do uh, and to learn the disciplines that are required to live in a productive way in a society. So oftentimes that's that's part of the brokenness. And sometimes uh, we we operate out of that that What do we do? What's in it for me? I hate to use greed. That's too simplistic. But often people don't make a contribution. They really don't go out into the world to make a difference if there's not some bottom line benefit to them. Uh, And that's very unfortunate because we have to look at the world as something that needs our contribution. It needs what we have to offer, and it doesn't mean that the world will give us back anything. In fact, if that's our motive, it probably um, is is doomed from the beginning. We need to simply figure out how to make a contribution uh, to this world that needs very badly. It needs love. It needs care. It needs compassion. It needs forgiveness. Um, it needs uh, a, a contributive effort, a, a, an unselfish uh, giving of ourselves in both our time and whatever resources we have. Which you, everybody has the same time, but many of us have financial resources or other types of uh, relationship resources that we can bring to bear on this on this broken world. But again, it's important that we take our efforts outward. Uh, in the future of this show, we're going to be interviewing people who go out and and uh, serve as scoutmasters, and it doesn't matter whether it's Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts. But it's a noble effort for people to go out and give their time um, for something like that, where they're giving themselves to other people's children, not just their own. It certainly enhances the lives of their own, but also makes a difference in the lives of others. Uh, and we'll be looking at those kinds of folks. When I was growing up there was a song uh called Fourteen Thirty Two Franklin Pike Circle Hero. And in the story of the gist of this little song was about this man who came in from work and he's dead tired. Uh he, he he got up early, he put in a hard day and he and he comes in and all of a sudden as soon as he hits the door of his own home, certain demands are being made on him. He's gotta walk the dog, uh, he's gotta play with the kids and and so on. He doesn't really want to do this. Uh, the lyrics of the song, you can Google it and find it uh, and even listen to it. And uh, you'll learn that he, he doesn't want to do all these things. He really just wants to put his feet up and be left alone. But sure enough, in a few minutes, he's out there. Uh, the song says, with a wagon load of kids going for snow cones. Um, he's just this guy that, that goes out and puts himself in his neighborhood. And, uh, even the, the, the kids around the neighborhood know that they can come over and he'll, he'll spend some time with them, load up the car, take them for snow cones or some of the type of refreshment. He's the kind of guy that's always driving a, a carload of kids to the ball game. Uh, he's coaching their little league or their soccer. Those are the kind of places where Christ needs to be in the world today. Um, again as i said in the earlier segment not so much inside the four walls that's where we get the renewal what counts is when we get outside that those four walls and we're able to be what christ would be if he were us in a world around us and so we're going to be interviewing a number of those those types of people Teachers, I come from a long line of, of teachers. My parents put 79 years between the two of them in the public schools of Texas, and I was I am a teacher myself. I was married to a teacher, um, and my son uh, is a teacher. And I like to believe whether or not we're actually in a public school with a classroom assignment that many of us have the opportunity to be teachers. Sometimes it's in Sunday school. Sometimes it's in the class offered in the community Uh, college or the community education program but teaching is a great way to share our uh, Christ-likeness with other people Jesus, uh, when he came, it it often uh, amused me that God could have sent his son to the world to be a lawyer, but he didn't choose law. He could have uh, sent his son into the world to be a political leader, um, but he didn't choose that model. Instead, he chose uh, the title most associated with Jesus, which is rabbi, teacher. And so teaching any skill that we have is sharing a part of our lives with other people. And it's a tremendous way to make a difference in a, a broken world. So all these people are going to come on and, and and be interviewed. There's also going to be a number of aspects of our lives uh, that other people will share. Uh, For example, how we handle our money. I I was just glancing, and the word money is used over 28 times in the New Testament. The word rich is used over 55 times in the New Testament. So how we handle the resource of our finances, whether we're entrusted with uh, great resources or small resources, um, there's a responsibility there. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that uh, Christian giving really doesn't start until someone gives, until it changes their lifestyle. So we want people to come in here, and I'll interview them about how they see the financial resources that they've been trusted with and how they might use those to show their Christ-likeness to the word as well, um, to the world. And so we've got a uh, we, we've got a rich opportunity to share with one another these different ways and places and opportunities um, to to show uh, Christ to our world um, so other than financial financial resources and other resources that we have like our time, we we'll want to talk about uh, how to keep our families uh, together as well um i i think there are sometimes people go through things and they think that they've gone through or their family has gone through a, set, a certain set of circumstances and it means that they're no longer effective uh they're sort of damaged goods um they're they're like the character of Hester Prynne in in the uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter they have to wear some scarlet letter on their shirt or their blouse and it tells the world you know, i'm damaged goods i really can't count But if anything Christ uses in the world today, it's damaged goods because in some ways we all are. Uh, We may be going through the experience of a bankruptcy. Uh, what do I do? What would Jesus do if he suffered through bankruptcy? Uh, how does that, what, what do I do? Am I forever damaged because, um, I, I got overextended financially and I had to declare bankruptcy. Is there something I can still God, uh, still do for God? Can God still use me? And the answer is a resounding yes. Um, people that have been divorced, I myself have been divorced, um, after a long, uh, and, and, uh, thirty seven year marriage that um, that uh, w- we thought would last forever, and no one who knew us thought would end, and it did um, can God still use a person who's been divorced? The answer again is a resounding yes uh, he can uh, what if i am um, I have some physical ailment or impairment or or some physical challenge? Uh, can God use me or am I damaged goods? God can use you, a resounding yes uh, from the throne room of God and from the church that says, yes, God can use you. The only people God has to use in the world are broken people uh, that are being renewed by His Spirit, and uh, those are the kinds of things that we want to look at. And we'll be interviewing a number of people who have had to suffer through some
0: Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. With host
1: Steve Russell. Many Christians worry about how to share their faith. They even feel guilty about not sharing. Hi, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts on TogiNet.com. Christians sharing their faith feel awkward and bothersome sometimes, but my friend Bobby Bateman has a unique way to break the ice and open the door for a casual conversation. Join us soon for the interview with Bobby about his unique idea or learn more now at his website. It's personal to us.com. Once again, that website is itspersonaltous.com. Returning with more of Christian living that counts, your host Steve Russell. Welcome back. We were talking when we left a moment ago about different topics that we want to address about how Christian living that counts makes a difference in a broken world. And we were just kind of bantering around the ideas of different ways in which we have influence in that broken world. One of the things and questions I think Christians often ask themselves is, what should I do politically? What level of involvement should I have as a Christian in uh, in in the political process. And this assumes that uh, right now, f- for example, my frame of reference is being an American. And so we have a lot of opportunities here. We are told that uh, this is government of the people, by the people, for the people. Uh, whether or not uh, we step up to that and become the people we should be in the political process is, is always questionable. And how much can we expect from a political machine? Uh, When Jesus lived in the first century, he, as I mentioned earlier, lived in an occupied uh, country uh, with a foreign uh, oppressor from uh, Rome that had an occupying army, made a lot of positive changes in that world in terms of uh, roads and peace and culture. But at the same time, there wasn't a lot of uh, self-government opportunity at all for those people under Roman rule. But today in America and many other democracies, uh, Democratic Republicans throughout the world, where there is political involvement on behalf of the citizenry, that raises a question. How much can I expect the political scene to change because I literally throw myself into it one way or another. And that ranges anywhere from being a common um, voter all the way up to holding uh, and trying to seek public office. Uh, what what should I do? What can I expect about my world? I think those are important questions because many people feel that their Christian faith propels them into involvement. Unfortunately, uh, it's often Um, The fact that we involve ourselves terribly, uh, our candidate may or may not win, our issue may or may not carry the day, uh, and in the end, we spent a lot of time and resources on something that either didn't matter or mattered for only a very short time. Uh, It seems, too, that it's very hard for the people who are involved in government to remain constantly diligent. And and we know that our human nature tends toward, uh, let's just say, not the the most um, open and and progressive and helpful uh, ways toward our. Are um, succeeding as a society uh, we tend back toward greed we tend back toward selfishness we tend back to, uh, toward those things and, and so there's a constant vigilance almost required uh, I, I, I can think of a, a number of different dimensions which are big issues in the uh, American political arena today such as healthcare uh, and I think about uh, the people involved in the manufacturing of, of pharmaceuticals and whether or not uh, they should make their discoveries affordable and helpful to all people. Uh, I've lived uh, long enough to have been the beneficiary of the Salk vaccine when Jonas Salk developed the vaccine for the horrible uh, plaguing disease of polio when I was a small boy. And I was the beneficiary first of inoculation, later of the sugar cubes. And uh, almost today in in my lifetime, we've seen the eradication of polio. And Jonas Salk had a peculiar philosophy we don't see much today among the pharmaceutical companies. When he was asked about uh, patenting the polio vaccine, uh, Salk replied that it would be like trying to patent the sunshine. Um, what what could you do? It belonged to mankind. Today, often the best discoveries and cures in health care are held hostage to the economy and uh, the economics of self-preservation and stockholders. And um, what go- role should government play in the regulation and demand on those types of things? Another big issue among Christians is the church itself. What church is right we' see tendencies and trends toward mega churches, and uh, these churches often uh, uh, promote entertainment. People go in the the thousands to see the best speakers and the best musicians and uh, to see almost if you if you pan the camera over a a modern mega church or over a modern rock concert and you just pan the audience, Could you even tell the difference? Um, and that begs the question: Can you tell the difference in them when they get outside of those arenas, um, and and the performance mentality that comes along? Is church a big show, or is it more about intimacy and and uh, a safe place, as Larry Crabb's book describes the church? Is it a community where people can share? Uh, Or is it a combination of some of those things? So even right down to the essential church that Jesus gave birth to during his time in his foundation of laying um, uh, 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 something for us to follow and a place together and a people to be, um, what's at stake there? and, And what answers and questions do we need to be seeking and asking when it comes to the church itself? I mentioned earlier families um, and empowering those families and children. Uh, What does it mean to be a Christian parent? Those things are important. I mentioned financial principles earlier um, and those things. What should a Christian do with his or her or our family's money? Um, I mentioned the damaged situations of things like divorce and and bankruptcy and other things. All those topics that we want to take a look at, um, I really want to explore those because some people have a a very difficult time emerging uh, victorious and renewed in the midst of some of those um, circumstances that have been setbacks in their lives. What can they do to move forward? Another thing that uh, is important, and this is not going to be a a show when we think of uh, of Christian living that counts, uh, we're not going to become a Bible study hour, but we may take a look at some long-held but maybe slightly uh, tainted concepts about the Bible, and we may want to rethink those. Uh, When I was doing my biblical studies in graduate school, one of my professors said to us, I want you to write your Here I Stand, but Barely paper. And that was the, this is what I believe, but I realize that what I believe may change as I develop my educational opportunities and so forth. The Here I Stand, of course, came from the famous uh, lines of Martin Luther uh, before the Diet at Worms. When Luther was called to um, to declare himself, uh, and um, he um, he said, "Here I stand, um, here I can do no other. Uh, God help me." And many of us are are stuck in a, in a, in concepts that maybe um, have not be re- have not been rethought in in a long long time, and so some of the biblical concepts. Um, may need to be re-examined. There may be a fresh word from God's Word that um, we haven't looked at, um, and we really need to do so to move our lives uh, forward. I think of uh, Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. We might want to paraphrase and do away with that sermon altogether and maybe come up with something like Sinners in the Heart of a Loving God um we might want to look at the eternal punishment that many of us uh, might be hoping or uh, is the ill fate of of those who have treated us uh, in not the in the best ways we might want to look at that uh, that punishment as not so much punishment but a slighted invitation that god constantly offers um all those things make up a different look at biblical concepts. That it may be high time we take we take a look at. One of the venues that my family enjoys and always has and is the uh, the venue of of uh, movies. Uh, it's one of my premises that Hollywood just can't help but preach the gospel and uh, declare the good news in some way. Uh, I can tell you this by watching movies uh, over my lifetime. And I'll just tell you, the bad guy just doesn't win that many times. In the end, the good guy rides off in the sunset and everything looks a whole lot like a Western. Um, But there are so many movies that we, uh, we examine today and we see on our big screens that have life lessons built into them. Uh, We're human beings with a hole in our heart that can only be filled by a godliness that it seeks after. And many, many times inadvertently and quite accidentally, and if they were told they were doing it, they would probably try to do everything but that. But the movies produced in our world often give us a reality and a searching. Um, And many of these movies need to be viewed by Christians and by our families uh, for not only the lessons that they teach us, but also uh, for the uh, medium that they provide us to discuss uh, the topics and the important questions of our lives. They provide that venue with a world out there that we have to sneak up on. We can't go out and beat the Bible over their heads, uh, and that's improper and and uh, inappropriate in any setting. But sometimes what uh, a popular movie can open up as a discussion forum is going to be an important tool for us to use as Christians, um, putting our lives into the world in such a way uh, that um, they, our lives count and that they certainly make a difference. So those are just again some of those topics that uh, that we'll want to address and look at. Um, and um, again, I would I would say that we certainly want you to weigh in on on some of these uh, so that we may hear from you and hear the real needs. Um, and and the different perspectives. Uh, all of us have different life experiences, and we want those to contribute to the show to make this a well-rounded opportunity for people to really sincerely um, have a chance to uh, grow and and uh, make that difference that we're seeking. So uh we're we're excited about this this is our maiden voyage i welcome you to this show as our 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 joy uh, our joyful journey together um i i promise you i will search with you i will travel with you and uh, this is certainly not a show where i'm going to dish out the answers cuz to be honest i've got a lot more of those questions that need to be answered for me than i do those answers that i'm absolutely sure of so i invite you on this journey on this travel alongside me. And I promise um, that one thing is we'll, we'll journey together and we'll look for ways to make a difference that counts in our broken world. We're going to come back to the final segment in just a minute. Stay with us.
0: We'll return in a moment for our final segment of Christian Living That Counts.
1: Hey, friends, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts. I want to introduce you to my friend David Taylor. He's celebrating his 35th anniversary as a financial advisor. David is a CPA and has recently written a book to answer the need of so many ladies who came to his office after the passing of their husbands. Often they knew nothing of their financial details or status. David's book is called The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. Be listening for my interview with David soon and learn how you can get your copy of The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. We're back. Glad you joined us for this maiden voyage of Christian Living That Counts. These are renewed lives making a difference in a broken world. Since we're in the last segment, I want to recap just a little bit and uh, amplify a few points that were made earlier uh, first of all, this this is our maiden voyage, and I want to welcome you to it. I want to uh, ask you to join us uh, from week to week as we discuss the different topics that will talk about how to make our lives count as Christians, as Christ apprentices and disciples in a postmodern world here in the 21st century. Uh, I've lived long enough to realize that things change. Times change, environments change, societies change and so we want to talk about what counts today, and so we're excited about that, and again, want to bring you back in from week to week, and hope you'll join us, and um, and interact with us, and uh, contact us, let us hear from you, and so on. First of all, the, just a couple of things I want to add to the augmentation of this is uh, some people we'd like to interview and give you an idea of what's ahead. There are some uh, local people that I've encountered in my lifetime. I've, I've, I've live the life that is enriched by other people it just seems like in the years that I've spent on, on my journey uh, when I was in high school uh, and I should say the entire uh, grade school middle school and and high school levels that I went through it seemed like that I had some tremendously important people you know uh, Hillary Clinton wrote a book and i don't think it was really original with her title or she didn't originate the title it's an it's an old african uh, society complex um, concept that says it takes a village to raise a child and i grew up in a in a town of only 1800 people but one of the things i want to do uh, some Fifty years after that experience uh, of growing up in, in in that small town, is go back to some of those people who are still surviving that I know were part of the village that raised me. I I had a a, a man in my life who was uh, my scoutmaster, uh, my Sunday school teacher, my dentist, uh, and that that man contributed so much in all those different roles to me, teaching me to swim. Uh, as a, as a scoutmaster and uh, giving me some principles um, of biblical understanding from from his life and from from his knowledge uh, when I was a young man. I had another man that uh, there's still, uh, that man, by the way, is, is deceased, and I, I can't thank him, but may, I may have to do a segment uh, where I just honor his memory because of all the lives that, uh, that he contributed to in the small town of 1,800 people that I grew up in. Then I I think of another teacher I had in school who uh, is today responsible for the fact that I can still get out on the jogging track and, and go three miles. I'd love to, to bring that man who's who's got to be in his 70s now uh, and just sit him outside a racquetball court because that man blew a whistle and put me on wind sprints, and today I still enjoy the health i do and the vigor that i enjoy because of the whistle he blew and he said one foot against the wall and he put us through the regimen of wind sprints and uh, recently i had the opportunity to witness some timing of wind sprints some some, for some young middle school guys it was all i could do not to ask the coach can i get out there and run with him because i think i still can because that man made a tremendous contribution to to my life in that small community and was a part of that village that raised me up. Um, I had another teacher who taught me to think. Uh, and that was something, you know, that, that some people, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're young when you're young at heart and young in mind, when you realize that, that here you stand but barely, um, that there are things to learn, things to know, and, and changes to make in the perspectives that you have. And this teacher began with me in the sixth grade, driving home, teaching me to think, and I'm so grateful for him I had a high school principal um, who who looked over me with uh, the uh, that watchful eye, and and sometimes they some people observers might have said, "Man, he was awfully stern." Yes, he was, but through his sternness and through uh, through the advice he gave me, um, I, I just gained so much, um, and uh, I just am so appreciative for the lives of that small town and there are people like that. That uh, that I want to interview and uh, and spend some time with and um, let you hear hear the story that they have to tell, and that that was just in my in my young life. It seemed like uh, when I went through college and later through my years at seminary, the timing was just right. I, I learned in my seminary studies, and I, I was uh, even though today I'm not actively in a vocational um, Christian ministry in a church. I learned that uh, so much from these from these men, and one particular lady uh, at seminary who who taught me about the study of hymnody, and learning that to every song there was a background and a setting and a biographer. Uh, their biography, literally, literally of 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 the people who wrote these songs and the circumstances in which they were written, and I could research those. But those men, um, I, I learned in my seminary studies, it wasn't so so important what the course was called as to be able to be close to the men who were teaching it. And I remember several of those men that I'm sure I will recount to you uh, over the, our time together. Um, one of them I remember particularly was dying. Uh, He had um, become a victim of cancer uh, and his life was gradually taken away from him and I learned that men and women who are approaching their final days, they start really doing what we down here in East Texas call shelling corn or making hay. They were saying the important things of life that needed to be heard because it was the last opportunity they would have to do so. And um, I'll share those those stories with you as well. But it just seemed that I came through my seminary at a time when the most important people were there. And even in church, I've, I've had the experience of a number of Christian leaders in my church experiences um, who led in such a special way that they contributed to my life and gave me tools to apply later. There's some local people right now as a part of my life. I think of Bobby Bateman and uh, his development of uh, its personal ministries and i'm going to share more about that and interview bobby and let him share with you about some things he's learned about sharing the gospel And on the opposite uh, spectrum of that is one of the Prefert's, who you're going to learn more about the Prefert family, the sponsors of this show through me. And uh, today, a man who's about to uh, celebrate in June his 95th birthday, the number one salesman, in fact, the only salesman for Prefert Industries in the early years, Corbin Prefert. And we'll get to interview him, uh, this uh, man again, in, in his ninth decade And I look forward to him sharing with you about how he shares the gospel. My friend David Taylor is going to come on uh, to the show, and David's going to get to share with you his years of being a CPA and a uh, stockbroker and a financial planner for people. And he's got a great book that I want to share with you, especially those of you who are widowed, called The Comprehensive Widow Survivor's Guide. And these are people in my life right now and um, and that are right here locally that I know that I want to share ideas with you. And then I want to reach out to some people I hope will join us by telephone interview, people like Howard Snyder, who um, was one of the men who wrote a, a life-shaping book for me called The Problem of Wine Skins. I knew I had these thoughts about what church should be. And then when a man finally put in my hands the problem of wineskins, I saw that this publication originally back in the 1970s was confirmation to me that I wasn't crazy, that there were other people out there that are looking at ways to reform the local church and what it might be. And I hope Howard Snyder will join us for, for an interview. A man named Richard Louvre. Um, uh, who has written books. uh, The one that is most significant to me because of a role that I have um, is the book was called and is called uh, The Last Child in the Woods, How Our Children Have Moved Away from Being Outdoors People Who Played Outdoors. To being people who play with digital games on their uh, laptops and their uh, their uh, pad, iPads and different things uh, that that and their uh, their smartphones and they're just uh, they're totally isolated from being outdoors. I saw an article the other day about how to ensure that your children had an hour exercise a day. I'm, I, I, that was so amazing to me because when I was a child, it would be how to make your child focus uh, on his homework for an hour a day because we were constantly outdoors. It would be how to bring your eight hour to 10 to 12 hours a day child uh, in for studies and other things because we were constantly in the outdoors and learning things. And uh, we have what Richard Louve calls among our children today a nature deficit disorder. We always talk about attention deficit disorder, but a lot of that stems from a natural and nature deficit disorder and I hope men like richard Louvre can be can join me on calls like uh like this and we can broadcast to you their comments on such important uh important things. So we've got a, we've got a lot of work to do in this show ahead, and I'm looking forward to um, uh, to bringing all these topics uh, together and um, bringing people together. People like Larry Crab, uh, who wrote that book, "The Safest Place on Earth," where he talks about what what the church can be not a place of condemnation and a place of uh, criticism and, and and a place where people are afraid to go because they might be found out. Rather, instead, it is a place where people go where they can share their stories and know that they will be supported in prayer and love and forgiveness and safety. All these kinds of things lie ahead of us. So once again, let me just tell you how excited I am to be on this maiden voyage with you. If you tuned in or you get to hear this podcast, I would just simply say welcome today Uh, in this um, time of taping in, in the month of May of uh, 2015 and i look forward to your being a part of our broadcast both live and in the podcast mode uh, for many shows to come and uh, please join us and we look forward to having you on board with christian living that counts renewed lives making a difference in a broken world see you again soon
0: Steve Russell returns next week at the same time discussing how renewed lives can make a difference in a broken world. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.